0: Hello and welcome back to Cutting Chai Stories, where the stories are short and sometimes sweet, just like the half servings of milky tea we call cutting chai back home in India. I'm your host, Jayati Vora, and I am so excited to present to you the person who set me on my path of becoming an editor. He offered me my first internship in journalism and ensured I didn't start out in advertising instead, as I had planned, foolishly. He was my journalism professor at my master's course, SCM, in my hometown of Bombay, and one of my first and only journalism mentors. He is also the author, editor, and translator of more books than I have fingers on my hand, including books about Bollywood and Bombay, poetry, books for children. Please welcome Jerry Pinto. Thank you so much for being here, Jerry.
1: My pleasure entirely, Jayithi.
0: There are so many things I could ask you about, Jerry. But for today, I'd love to talk about writing for children. How did you get into it?
1: Actually, I don't think I ever wanted to be a writer for children. uh, Mainly because I'm not very sure that I uh, I get on well with children, really. I think uh, eventually, you know, uh, what happens is there is a certain lure in a story that you hear. So the first story that I heard was a friend of mine telling me, about the fact that her mother was ill, and they were clearing her mother's house, and in the middle of that house, they found their teddy bear, her, the teddy bear that she and her brother had played with as a child. So her nephew asked, he said, "Can I have that teddy bear?" And she said, "No, because I think it could be sold for a great deal of money, and that might help Gran, who has to go to a, uh, you know, has to go into care now." And so they did sell the teddy bear. And I, being Indian, I could ask this question. I said, how much did you get for the teddy bear? And she said, 8,000 pounds. And I thought, my goodness, 8,000 pounds for a teddy bear. And again, being an Indian, I immediately began to calculate how much 8,000 pounds was in rupees and how much you could get and what you could buy with 8,000 pounds. But then another horrible thought occurred to me. I grew up with teddy bears whom I loved a great deal and whom I still love a great deal. And what if someone had told me that that teddy bear was worth, I mean, 8,000 pounds? What if someone had told a parent that? And that parent had decided to sell my teddy bear. I started writing this story, you know, because one way to get rid of a fear that you have is to write this, it down as a story. Write it down. Just write down every fear that you have. Convert it into stories. And at least that's one good thing that comes out of fear. So I, I was sitting in uh, in a friend's uh, orchard and writing this and I thought it would be like a short story and then it suddenly became little more than a short story and then became a <laughs> little longer and suddenly I had a short book. So I sent it to my publisher and my publisher was a very good friend of mine read it and said it's really lovely and he said it's a book for children and that's the first time I thought oh, I wrote a book for children <laughs> and I think it was because the book had a teddy bear Therefore, it became
0: like a book for children. do you think there's crossover between writing for children and writing for adults?
1: The largest readership for this I have found, or at least the people who respond to it a lot are the ones who are young women. Young women write to me regularly and say, "You know your book, a bear for Felicia, that rides about in my bag. I've read that so many times. I keep it under my pillow, so I you know this category called um." children's writing okay is i think a bit of a um it's it's not it's not real to me because you know i grew up in a book deprived with a bit in a book deprived world the school i went to had 30 books in each classroom cupboard which was our library our school library uh, we didn't buy books at home uh, my father felt that you know you would want you would not want to keep the books you wanted as a child when you were an adult. So it was better to hire them from a lending library. There was no public library in Bombay to which we could go as children. And so I, you know, I, I borrowed what was available in the local library. I discovered the glories of children's writing or writing for children as an adult. So I read E.B. White's beautiful book, Charlotte's Web, when I was an adult. I read Elizabeth Enright's The Saturdays when I was an adult. I read all these books as an adult, not as a child. And I think because I was an adult, 101 Dalmatians, Lodi Smith, okay, that lovely passage where, uh, you know, all the Dalmatians have taken, Dalmatian puppies have taken shelter inside the house and everyone's watching TV. But one Dalmatian pup is sitting in front of the crib, the Christmas crib, and looking at it. That was so beautiful to me. All these I read as an adult. So I'm not surprised when I find that most people who read A Bear for Felicia are technically adults. Because what is a technical adult? It's just a chronological term. It just means that you've lived that long in the world. Otherwise, inside each one of us, there's there's something that still responds to fairy tales. There's something that still responds to magic. That still responds to Harry Potter. That you know, that's what this this strange term, the crossover book, I think, means. It's a new term for an old reality. And that reality is that inside every adult, there is a child and that child is still open-eyed with wonder and is still able to love just the idea of the story.
0: Yeah, I think that's so right. And, um, you know, this may have more to do with marketing than anything else.
1: Huh, marketing.
0: Yeah, some of my favorite books are classified as young adult YA fiction. Mm-hmm. On that note, can you read us a snippet of one of your favorite poems for kids?
1: A poem that I have always loved is uh, Lewis Carroll's Bandersnatch. T'was brillig and the slithy toves did Dare and gimble in the way. All mimsy were the burrow goes, then mome rats out grave. There the jabberwock my son. The jaws that bite, the claws that catch, beware the jubjub bird and shun the frumious bandersnatch. It, what does it mean? It means everything. You know exactly what he's talking about. What does it actually mean? It means nothing because none of those words make any sense. And yet you know what's going on. And yet you can imagine, you can dream what a frumious means, you can dream what a bandersnatch means, you can dream the whole thing inside your head. And each dream is going to be independent and different. So that's why it's one of my favorite poems. Uh, you want, would you like me to read one of my own poems
0: now? Yes, I would love that.
1: This is called Tickle Me, Don't Tickle Me. And uh, it's from a new book of poems for children that I put together. Tickle me, don't tickle me. What can I say? I'm tickle me. I want to giggle. I want to laugh. But too much tickling and I'll bath. I've eaten lots this morning, so it might come out all glad go. Tickle me, tickle me, go on then. I want to go and eat again.
0: (laughs) I love it. And I love the way that your voice takes on this kind of sing-song quality. You know, it almost makes me want to snap my fingers while you're reading (laughs) it.
1: Thank you so much. I think at some level we all, you're just sort of like seized by that T.S. Eliot sound. You know, the T.S. Eliot sound of him reading his own poems. He is deadpan. He is completely deadpan. Became almost the default setting for all of us. We all read our poems like that as if there was nothing. Yeah. And, you know, the idea was, of course, you must bring your emotion. I can't bring the emotion. But that's not how I talk. That's not how I talk when I'm talking to a friend. That's not how I talk when I'm talking to uh, to a, a group or a class or an audience. And then why am I reading my poetry as if I'm T.S. Eliot? I'm not P. S. Eliot. He was a wonderful chap. And, you know, now this is me reading my poem. But it took a lot of time for me to actually break free. And a lot of people would, uh, you know, the older guard in Bombay would say, uh, you know, Jerry, I think you shouldn't act so much. And I think, no, I am going to act because that's me. I think everybody's got, you know, like if you can't express yourself in the time when you're reading your own poems, then when are you going to express yourself, no?
0: My conversation with Jerry continued. But part two will be released next week, so do tune in for that. We'll talk more about writing techniques for kids, what people who are writing for adults can learn from children's books, the utter savagery of children, and more fun stories from this master raconteur. Before I leave you, I'll give you a writing prompt from Jerry, though I think he intended this for a short story for adults. His prompt is a line of dialogue to begin your story. It goes. This lockdown has been great for me, said the dealer in. Dot dot dot. And then you can take it from there. As always, if you feel inspired to write something, do share it with me at cuttingchories at gmail.com. Until we meet again next Thursday, try reading something aloud in your natural speaking voice and tell me how it feels. <laughs>